You can think of backlash as an umbrella term that embraces various sorts of reactions, if you will, to the focus on environmental, social, and governance responsibility. Some of it is very healthy skepticism, all right? How do the focus on environmental and social issues impact shareholder value? Like, prove it. You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. I'm Steve Odlin from the Conference Board and the host of this series, and in today's conversation, we're going to discuss the current scope and state of the ESG backlash, the key stakeholders who are driving it, and how companies are responding. Joining me today is Paul Washington, the Executive Director of the Conference Sports ESG Center. Paul, welcome. Great to be with you, Steve. As always. All right, Paul, so you know we've been talking ESG for a long time, but just for our listeners, can you just give us a brief overview of what ESG is? Sure. Well, ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance, and it's a, you know, three letters that are basically three food groups that you can think of uh, that are all aimed at health, having uh, a company have a healthy and balanced and sustainable sort of diet, if you want to think about it. So it started in 2004, where um, financial institutions largely based in Europe said, you know, you should focus not only on your operating and financial performance, but also on your environmental, social, and governance performance to make sure that you're running the company well and that, you know, the notion would be that this would make for a healthier company more competitive environment, healthier social and environment environment. It's yeah, and this is right. called all inextricably linked to the multi-stakeholder model. It, it absolutely is. So if you think about ESG as the what and the stakeholders as the whom, they go hand in hand because the broader suite of issues you are addressing, the broader suite of stakeholders you're concerned about. So, But it started in a sort of non-controversial notion that companies should be focusing on something other than just strict operating financial performance. It, but once you start focusing on those areas, well, then you make commitments in these areas, and then you make statements in these areas. And what's happened is over time, sometimes the environmental and social statements by companies outweigh the financial and operating ones, and companies become defined more by sometimes their ESG uh, efforts than perhaps by their other core business efforts. Sometimes for good, sometimes for right. bad. And but this whole notion of ESG, you know, the the multi-stakeholder thing came came about, you know, a few years back. Prior yeah. to that, it was all, you know, people said focus on developing shareholder value, making income for your holders, right. and forget the rest. Or you know, the rest will kind of work its way out. Now we're saying now you really got to balance all of your Correct. stakeholders, and so. You not only have to produce a profit, but you've got to do it the right way. You can't pollute. You know, you've got to be environmentally yeah. friendly. You've got to be, uh, you know, establish the right social policies and so forth. So now we're in a stage where you're starting to hear about a backlash. This Correct. is the old pendulum swing, and it's yep. starting to swing back. What's creating the backlash? Well, it's interesting. First, there's, I think you can think of backlash as an umbrella term that embraces various sorts of reactions, if you will, to the focus on environmental, social, and governance responsibility. Some of it is very healthy skepticism, all right? How do the focus on environmental and social issues impact shareholder value? Like, 
prove it, right? So there's a real healthy skepticism that can come along with this. Some of it is um, more philosophical opposition. You still have people who believe you should focus only on shareholder value. And then there's a third strain that's, I'd say, more opportunism for folks who are seeing that they can make a name for themselves by seizing on ESG backlash and calling companies woke or this is woke capitalism. So there are multiple, multiple strains here and multiple sources here. You know, I think it's, it's being fueled in some way by emotion. And that's something important for companies to recognize, that uh, the reason why backlash can sort of spread like wildfire is that you're often talking about hot button social topics, whether it's racial equality or LGBTQ plus rights or women's reproductive rights, or even in the environmental sphere, the shift to more renewable energy, that's gonna cause some job losses, right? And disruption in communities. These are emotionally charged topics. You know, I'll never forget when I was running one of my companies, I was, I was meeting with a major shareholder and we were talking about our ESG efforts. And he said to me, you don't have my permission to spend my money on these other things. I, I don't like this. I want you focused on, you know, on producing financial results. So not everybody's aligned Correct. with all of this, particularly now, if you can do it all, you know, people tend to kind of ride along with it. But you know, you can't, it's not like you can just say, well, gosh, we're going to focus on the environment and, you know, forget about our results. Right. You can't. And that's, I think, part of what's happened is if companies have spoken up a lot more about the ESG side than they have about operating financial performance, that puts them at risk. And investors, frankly, um, not all, but some major institutional investors went from saying, okay, we are going to, in a very fact-based and analytical manner, look at each company on a case-by-case -case basis and see how environmental and social responsibility will affect that company. They went from sort of an analytical approach to an advocacy approach. And that's exposed a lot of institutional investors to backlash saying, wait, you were pushing for something where there may not be the factual support saying you should. Yeah, and in ESG is, is an issue around the globe and every country is, you know, is focused on various things in different weights. But here in the United States, ESG is relatively new, and these social issues, I think, popped up, uh, you know, during the pandemic and following the George Floyd incident in particular. But, you know, this country is very divided. I mean, you have yeah. for every every shareholder you have who thinks one way, you got a shareholder who thinks another way. For every, you know, um, e you know, people who are on the left, you got people on the right. So, you know, whether that's your employees, your customers, your owners, so. Isn't it risky to take a position here that is, you know, it, it just, you know, determined to upset half of your constituents? Yeah, I mean, what we found through research is that there can actually be sort of a net slight, slight net benefit to taking some stands. But, you know, by even if you don't take a stand, then some people will view your silence as taking a stand. So companies in some ways are in a no-win situation. And when you're in a sort of no-win situation, what we really encourage companies to do, it's in a report on how companies can make uh, decisions and a difference on social issues, is to have very strong governance in this area. They should have very clear criteria and process in place to decide whether, when, and how they're going to weigh in on environmental and social issues. Um, and they should be prepared for, for backlash from, frankly, both sides, no matter what you do. So, yeah, and you have to think this through ahead of time. Absolutely. So, so you've got to determine what are the business-driven you know, rules for this. And, you know, so 
And then there's yeah. internal communication versus external communication. So you can you can yeah. bifurcate that as well. And, and we're definitely seeing companies focusing more on um, communicating with internal audiences rather than going out with a press statement on every time there's something that may be pressworthy. You know, a couple things that we've suggested companies do is people often say, well, we're going to make a statement because it's consistent with your company values. Well, that's a little risky in some ways because your company values may not be the values of everyone who works at the company. So I think it's much more a healthy idea to make sure you look at whether making this statement is actually going to have an incremental impact, you know, and is it something you can follow in on, through on? And frankly, is it something that's consistent with your own history, right? Because one of the best responses to being accused of world capitalism and saying, no, we have a century at this company of environmental or social responsibility. This is true to our traditions as a company. Yeah, and and really, um, it requires discussion. And so, but you get back to the investor community um, because I think that's the tricky one right mm -hmm. now. And you've got some investors saying this is important to them. Others are saying it isn't. But a lot of this backlash is coming right is from you know the investment area. Yes. Talk about that. Sure. Well, um, the targets of a lot of backlash are are large asset managers and, and other investors. And that's because, frankly, a lot of those institutions were seen as becoming advocates for ESG, maybe at the expense of shareholder value or because they were wading into areas that you know, some in the governmental arena didn't quite like. So much of the backlash um, that has occurred, and the most intense backlash, has been against um, large uh, investment houses. And in many cases, it's, it's taking the form of state treasurers or um, pension funds saying, we will not invest in Put, put our money with you, asset manager, because we don't like your social positions, or even more often, we don't like your environmental positions. You're anti-coal, you're anti-oil, and so we're not going to put our money with you. Now, you know, if we at the conference board are totally nonpartisan. Absolutely. Um, but uh, a lot of these discussions really devolve into quasi-political discussions, and so you have people on the left that are browbeating companies to take social positions that align with their point of view. You have investors on the right who are browbeating companies to take positions. You know, so you, you, it's like you said, it's this, it's this <laughs> very difficult, you, I mean, you almost can't win because you, you think you're doing the right thing as a CEO or a management right. team, and then you get backlash. So let me go back and challenge what you said a minute sure. ago, which is silence is not an option. I mean. Doesn't it seem like it's the safest place sometimes? Oh, sometimes it certainly is. And look, one thing we, we definitely think companies should avoid is becoming a roving commission on social issues that don't have much to do with your business. But if, it, if it's something that clearly relates to your, relate, it's an issue that relates to your business, that's important to your customers, right? And in some of these areas, you know, it's, it's quite clear the customer base you're serving, and if it's, you know, then there are reasons to speak up. Uh, an area where you may want to just be more cautious is not just having an internal echo chamber, either at the senior management level or more broadly, that just listens to some of your employees or some of your senior management when trying to figure out whether to take a stand on an issue, because then you're doing a disservice to the company and the broader employee population. Yeah, it just bothers me that, uh, you know, that there's politicization of 
of so many areas that were just were not viewed that way before. So companies were yes. never viewed as being left or right before, but increasingly, because of statements they've made, yeah. they're getting labeled in a certain political. They're okay, so they're on this political yeah. side or that. Uh, that just doesn't seem to be a great place. It's for well, us. it's it's two things. It may be the statements they've made. It's also the interpretation that is being placed on those statements because it's kind of hard to be against equality, right? You know, gender equality, racial ethnic equality, equality for folks. Like, and But I think, you know, sometimes that is taken by the opponents of ESG, and those words are sometimes twisted or they're just interpreted in a way that makes a company come across in a way that it didn't intend. But it does mean companies have to be very careful about how they phrase what they're doing, because literally every word is going to be analyzed by people from both the pro side, the anti side. It's going to be analyzed in the media today and maybe in the courtroom tomorrow. Yeah, and you know, of course, nobody's going to come out and say, we're pro pollution. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we love to pollute. But on the other hand, one person's pollution is, you know, another person's energy model. In other words, you know, you have people saying, well, we ought to do away with oil companies. Well, really? Well, you know, we, we don't have a substitute yet, number one. And number two, you, you know, okay, Exxon, here, well, let's, how's this for creating shareholder value when you're going to shut down? So there needs to be some long, there needs to be a plan that we agree on, a consistency, you know, uh, and some sort of evolution on these things and so forth. So these are complex issues, which is why the discussion coming from the company the, and the involvement of all the stakeholders in that discussion is, is an important it, process. It's absolutely critical. And, you know, we've suggested that you know, this is actually, this moment of backlash is actually a clarifying moment for, for companies. Uh, it's actually an opportunity for companies to make sure that they've sharpened their thinking on the connection uh, between ESG issues and their companies core business strategy and that they sharpen their communications around these areas because actually that's going to work to the company's benefit in the long run. We're talking about ESG backlash. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Are you ready to transform your business and stay ahead of the competition? Artificial intelligence is quietly reshaping the global economy, optimizing manufacturing processes, and transforming how users interact with popular platforms. Harnessing the power of AI can exponentially enhance your business's effectiveness and efficiency. However, navigating the risks associated with this transformative technology is critical. Privacy, integrity, the economy, and humanity are all at stake. That's why the Conference Board is your go-to resource for the expertise and foresight you need to leverage AI to its fullest potential and make strategic moves that propel your business forward. Unlock the possibilities AI offers your business. Visit tcb.org AI today to access trusted insights for what's ahead and guidance on navigating the AI transformation. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin from the Conference Board, and I'm joined today by Paul Washington, the Executive Director of the Conference Board's ESG Center. So Paul, right before the break, we were talking about the, you know, the politicization uh, and so forth, but let's go back to the folks that are now 
stimulating the backlash, right? Mm -hmm. Because the, the start of the focus on ESG were activists who were concerned about these various issues that were not being addressed. The backlash now is being led by whom? Well, primarily today by state and federal policymakers and candidates. But not far behind that, you actually have the media fueling a lot of the backlash and employees. So that's where it is right now. A lot of it is with um, state and federal officials. What we've heard from companies, we did a survey of uh, about 125 uh, leading U.S. firms and found that they're concerned that this is going to spread to local policymakers. It's going to spread more to consumers. We're going to see it spread even further with employees, even investors and some business partners. So, you know, while it's been focused coming from, you know, certain policymakers, this could well could well spread. Yeah, and, and the, when you're talking about the backlash coming from these government groups, it's really the investment arms Correct. of these government groups. So the public pension funds. Correct. Right, and their issue is that the people who are overly focused or the investment, the asset companies are over, overly focused on ESG are not producing the returns. In other words, and particularly these ESGs, the so-called ESG funds, right. where the fees are so high that they're not producing market level returns, and, and that's that, the concern. Well, that's that's part of it, right? But that's and so there. Are, this is why when companies are reacting to this, whether you're an asset manager or you're a traditional public company, you know, in retail or whatever, you need to be responding to the backlash not emotionally, not by circling the wagons, not by saying how dare they, right? But say first of all, do they have a point? Like where, you know, and so. Yeah, if ESG funds are having higher fees and if they are underperforming, well, that's certainly worth a, a discussion, right? And and if you can address the healthy skepticism that sits behind some of the backlash, then you know, then I think you're going a long way to diffusing at least um, the people who are rational about this. And you do have to recognize, though, that there are people who will use anti-ESG language to just gin up boycotts against companies and other areas where they're really playing into people's emotions. So challenge for companies is twofold, and it's really hard. They have to both make a strong, fact-based business case for why they're focusing on these areas, and frankly, they also have to paint a picture of what they're aspiring to by focusing on environmental and social responsibility that is something that is emotionally resident and resonant and that people find appealing. So it's it's two levels of communication, both a factual analytical business story and then frankly painting a picture of really why we're doing that. It's good for the company and it's also good for society. So, you know, in this attempting to balance the various stakeholders, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, Unilever as an mm -hmm. example where where they they were very forward a European company, but they were very forward on ESG issues, and they were held up as a darling around the world right. until their financial results uh, went off a little bit, and you know, due to some headwinds and so forth. And all of a sudden, everybody was selling, and it was activists against. It. And so, you know, if you start to think about the logic in that, it sort of suggests that develop. I mean, delivering great financial results. Is sort of an ante to get into the game? Yes. I mean, could I think of it that yeah, way? Yeah, it's absolutely essential. I mean, when we talk about sustainability, we think of it as concentric circles. First, the company itself has to be sustainable. You act, have to act in the long-term welfare of the company. The next circle out that, outside that is your welfare of your stakeholders. Beyond that is society at large and the natural environment. 
you cannot run your company like a donut where the uh, the center which is the company's well-being is 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 hollowed out no that actually is at the center of your target here We've had a lot of talk about food today. You and Captain. <laughs> we're doing this after lunch, Steve. I'm a little hungry. All right. Um. Well, so how should? Okay, so it it seems like then, if you're going to balance all these, you got to do you got to do it all. I mean, is yes. what you're saying, and so it it really requires that that management teams and the board of directors get together on this and and determine what the strategy is going to be. Absolutely. So, you know, we do not advocate the companies sit down and in a vacuum have the board and senior management say, okay, well, where do we want to be on the stockholder to stakeholder capitalism spectrum? No, you know, that could just lead to a distraction or even a polarizing and divisive discussion at the board. You do it in the context of your business strategy. Given what our company does for a reason, why we exist, whom we're serving, in the context of your business strategy, you consider which ESG issues matter and you consider which stakeholders matter and in which ways on what issues. You know, what we found is that companies are doing right now, boards are doing a better job of thinking about the what of ESG than they are actually thinking about the whom of stakeholders. And what can happen is unless you have really a consistent way of getting stakeholder view or stakeholder impact information into the boardroom, you're going to have pendulum swings because one stakeholder will have a really loud voice and the company come running one way. And then the regulator weighs in on the other side and it'll go running the other way. And, you know, forget about ESG backlash. That's ESG whiplash. Wow. Well, you know, so let's stick with the food theme for a minute because <laughs> what, you know, that's an example using that industry as an example. Yeah where you can see, okay, they're in food, and so sustainable farming and, you know, um, water usage and all of those kinds of issues are germane Mm -hmm. to their core business, right? Um, It's a germ of thought. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that may not be core to, you know, some other business that has nothing to do with soil usage and, you know, all of that. Right. So you think about what is in long-term interests of the company, its stakeholders, society at large, and natural environment. You figure out where you are today, figure out how you can move forward in serving that broader suite of of interests. Uh, The other thing is you focus. You don't try to be a big red flag. Is a company that tries to be everything to everyone. I mean, that's, I mean, investors should be really wary of companies that are making promises in, you know, 15 or 20 areas. No, nah, that's, that's probably beyond your company's capability of delivering. Yeah. So let's go the, let's go to the opposite extreme. You know, the, the companies that are vilified right now are the oil companies. And, you know, and I, I brought them up earlier, but in this case, you know, they're carbon emitters, they're carbon producers, essentially, because they're pulling it out of the out of the earth and exposing it and so forth. So, you know, if you're if you're an oil company, what do you do with ESG? You just say, well, forget about it. We're not, you know, we're going to shut down. That's not, that's not. No, the, the, most of those companies have very, you know, they're, they're taking this quite seriously. In fact, um, they often have very strong governance at the at the board level and senior management level around these issues. Um, they are focused on a responsible energy transition, which is going to take time. And so it's interesting. You'll find that the companies that have the biggest work ahead of them in the transition 
um, have actually the greatest level of engagement at the top of the house on environmental issues because they need to. Yeah, so it's a ba- it's basically how do we do what we do but do it in a much better way for the environment but also begin to plan for, as you said, the 20 carbon-free 2050, yeah. which is the Paris Accords. And that means that we've got to be probably investing in renewable sources right. and battery sources, some other things that, are, that may be adjacent to Absolutely. the energy business. But these are the kinds of things that the boards of those industries. So I, this is, so I think, I think it comes back to your point that you have to determine what your company is what your, well, you know what your company is, but you have to, you have to articulate it yeah. in your industry and the issues that are germane to, those, to that industry and then focus on that from an ESG perspective rather than wandering off and you know, trying to tell everybody else how to do it. Yeah, I think that's right. And you know, the interesting thing in this area for a lot of companies is as they're setting their targets, they're doing what's right for the company. They're also doing it, as you mentioned, with the broader picture in mind. So how do we work not only within our company's own four walls, but with our suppliers, with our customers, with our peers in industry to actually move forward in a responsible manner. So it's it's an interesting area, ESG, for both competition and collaboration. Okay, so what we've been talking about the E and the G. The social issues are a little trickier because they tend to pop up, you know, whether yep. there's a new law in this state that's, you know, the social issue or an event happens. How does How do you prepare as a company to deal with these things so that you're just not running out commenting on the the news every day. Yeah, so a couple things. First, to have um, a clear internal process where you've thought through, these are the areas that are core to our business. So there are companies that are involved in women's health and they, depending on the nature of the business, they may feel very much compelled and there's a good business case for taking a stand on certain social issues. Um, So they've thought it through in advance. Which are the issues that matter to our customers, to our business? Um, You know, some other issues don't. So I think that's less relevant. Um, So that's one way um, to, to prepare. The other thing is, you know, companies can have general statements that talk about being socially responsible, that talk about their commitment to equality, that talk about um, various aspects of of what, you know, of of social issues in a general way. And that those, you know, I think those can be meaningful statements, not just generic, not just placeholders, but really this is a statement of our company's values. If you got something like that, you don't need to make a statement on everything that comes up. The final point I'll make is that we shouldn't forget the little E, or maybe a very big E in the S area, and that's economic opportunity, economic security, economic fairness. Those are core, those economic, bread and butter um, uh, issues, economic issues, are social issues that both the red part of our country and the blue part of our country care about. They are actually unifying. And that is a place where companies can have a consistent voice, which is we are, we are here to help create economic opportunity and security. Yeah, that's really great. Um, you know, a, another area, though, is, you know, when a social event happens that, that is labeled as left or right and without getting into, yeah. you know, specifics. And you've got an employee. I think I think what we've laid out so far works with investors and the community. And I think they they understand, OK, if you're you know, if you're in food, yeah. you can focus on these kind of, you know, but but the but the employees are split as well. Yeah, we think it's important for companies not only to have these criteria for explaining you know, whether, when, and how they're going to speak up, 
but frankly, be transparent with their employees about it. Because part of this is setting expectations with your own employee base. So you're not getting pressure to speak up on every issue. And so you have um, an engagement with employees about how we are going to, as a company, engage on these issues. And you know, I think that can help diffuse the tension. And by the way, the way you talk to employees about this has to be in an inclusive and respectful manner. Yeah, okay, so uh, last, last question, where is this going? Because you know, we've oh. seen the pendulum, <laughs> you know, just in, you know, in our careers, you know, have yeah. some really wild swings. What, what do you see over the next, say, three to five years? There's going to be both more pro and more anti-ESG pressure. Well, now listen, I could have written that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll go a little bit deeper. I'll tell you a little bit where it's gonna come from. So on the pro side, we're going to see a lot more regulation right, coming out of Europe, um, the administration. We're gonna see also business partners expecting, business companies expecting their partners to help them on their own individual ESG journey. So there's gonna be a great deal of forward momentum from those two sources in particular. You are also though going to see um, more consistent and frankly well-organized efforts opposing the focus on ESG. I think if there's if there is good news here for companies that are going to be facing this environment is that the effect thus far of backlash on most companies, setting apart the asset managers, m most companies have said the impact of ESG backlash has only been mild thus far on them or moderate. This is the moment to get ready for bumpy waters. Yeah, something bigger. Paul Washington, thanks for joining us today. Delighted to be here. And thanks to all of you for listening in to CEO Perspectives. Every week I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover the leading topics in geopolitics, economics, public policy, ESG, and more. Now, please share CEO Perspectives with all of your colleagues, all of your friends, and everybody you know who cares about ESG. I'm Steve Odlin, and this series has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.